You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. Ring the alarm, everybody. Welcome to episode 94, 2, 5, and 10. We had a huge... Is it a blockbuster? I'm calling it a blockbuster. Blockbuster blockbuster trade today in the NHL. Benny, what up? It's a blockbuster because unlike our man in Columbus, most GMs around the league have no balls. So like now trades are like a third-round pick for a fourth-line center at the deadline for grit for the playoff run, and that's about it. Oh, Yarmo Kikalainen has some big balls. Today, um... They actually flip-flop picks from the uh, 16 draft. So Patrick Line, the headliner, along with Pierre-Luc Dubois, switch places. So it is Patrick Line and Jack Rislavic going to Columbus from Winnipeg and then Pierre-Luc Dubois getting his way out of Columbus, going to Winnipeg along with a third-round pick this year. Yeah, and there was rumors about this. Everybody was like, oh, it's the perfect setup because Columbus needs scoring and Lonnie doesn't want to be there anymore, and Winnipeg is always looking for center depth, and Dubois doesn't want to be in Columbus anymore. And for once, the internet got it right. Um, now here's what you think about... I think there's a short-term winner and a long-term winner, and it's not the same team. But in terms of the fit, besides that shift that the ISO cam that somebody posted on Twitter, Dubois the other night uh, in a first period for Columbus, that really struck home for me in terms of Lonnie wants out of Winnipeg, but he still busts his ass every single game. He showed up to camp bubble, whatever. He doesn't want to be in Columbus after getting signing a $10 million contract. And he's just going to float out there on the ice. Like that really, if I was a initially, I wanted the Rangers to see if they can make a move for him uh, because Strom has been fucking invisible on the second line. But once I saw that, I'm like, Ooh, I don't like, I don't want guys that are just quitting out there and going through the motions because they're unhappy with off the ice shit. I just wonder how, I mean, maybe this was the first time they've seen it, that obviously Tort saw it, he benched him. There was no way after this that this kid was ever playing in Columbus again. Like, he, he, they would have yeah. sat him until they dealt him, because I don't think there was any other way around it. Um, I did see a very interesting comment, though, that they said part of this deal was analytics, and... They mm. said last year uh, they had Shifley and Line A together, and it just wasn't working. The numbers that they should have for the caliber of player those two players are, it just wasn't working, wasn't clicking. So part of it was getting rid of Line A, which, don't get me wrong, this kid came on his first year and was an absolute sniper. Next year he kind of got lost a little bit in the shuffle. Last year, very off to a slow start, but, I mean, he finished last year with 30 goals. So, yeah. I mean, he, he can definitely still find the back of the net. As for your point of winner and loser, I mean, I I think Columbus wins this. There's no question at all. Like, I, I think not only getting Line A, but also getting Ruslavic is... Oslovic. Yeah, like, that's crazy to me. Um, basically, a one-for-one, one, you can call the third-round pick, and there's just buffer, but, like... John Tortorella now has a full team behind him. They've always had the goalies. They've always had that defensive structure. I, I know I talked about Columbus earlier in the year about them getting a little bit older, but you put this fresh blood into the lineup. This changes your outlook of them. I mean, I, I can now see them going a lot deeper than I originally did. Yeah, my only hesitation is, and two different teams now came to the conclusion that the answer was no. But is Max Domi a top-line center? Because if he's not, they don't have a number one. Like, who's if you're playing Pittsburgh or Tampa Bay in the playoffs, if you're Columbus, who are you lining up against Crosby or who are you lining up against Point? I mean, y- if you Domi's can, not your center. Y- you can say Felino for a defensive standpoint, but Felino can't skate with those two. Yeah, um, so that's the biggest question here. And I do like the move because – it adds flexibility for 
Columbus. So short-term winner in my mind is Columbus because they get rid of a cancer. Because if he was moping like that on the ice, I could only imagine what he was like around the guys in the room when Torch wasn't there. So they get rid of him. They bring in Lane, who is as almost as one-dimensional as you can get. He's an elite sniper, but he's a huge downgrade defensively from Dubrov. He doesn't play a premium position as a uh, top-line center, and he's going to get most of his offensive production off the power play. Um, we'll see if he connects with Domi, because I'm assuming that's who they're going to put him with at first to see if they have any chemistry. Um, but I think the key was their uh, Roslovic addition, because he can play center, he can pay, play right wing, he's a right-hand shot. He has a chance to be their second-line center behind Domi slot in there. I know they've been playing Texier as a centerman, but he seems to be more of a natural left-winger. So you get flexibility because now you can have Domi play center or wing, Roslovic play center or wing, uh, Texier play center or wing, and then you have, I think at this point, pretty damn good left-wing depth because you have Felino, you have you can you could have Domi, you could have Texier, uh, you have... Uh, Grubenko, you have Nyquist that can come back for the playoffs potentially. Uh, Eric Robinson's good on the fourth line. Uh, and throwing there on the right side, uh, you have Boone Jenner on the left side too. And then you have Atkinson on the other side, Brooks then on the right on the right side. So you send there, if you're Columbus, you might not have a matchup centerman or a matchup number one line, but you have the team depth. And I think for a sport like hockey, I don't think it's really been tried where it's like, hey, we don't have elite guys that can match up one-on-one but we're just going to suffocate you with all five guys in the ice and then as a fallback we have good goaltending and then we're going to rely on our PK and our power play with Lane to get us through 1-1 games in the third period yeah I mean you hit Lane A spot on he's one-dimensional but that dimension he brings can change games yeah and <laughs> yeah for for them a team that was very much handcuffed offensively last year, basically the lowest scoring team in the league, but also the lowest goals against in the league. Yeah. If you can get an extra goal, a little padding, I think it makes you breathe a little bit easier. Yeah. My question to you is for a guy who has had torts for so long in New York there, I know Line A didn't rope oh, yeah, it in <laughs> like he didn't rope it in like Dubois did, but. Is he in for a rude awakening going to a guy like Torts, who is a defensive first kind of guy? Oh, yeah. So both guys wanted out of their situation, Alani uh, and Dubrat, and they're going to situation, new situations, but coaches that are not going to ease up on them. So even for uh, Winnipeg, like Paul Maurice is a hard coach. He's a team defense coach. So, yeah, you get a little bit of a break in personality from Torts, but you're not going to a situation where you're playing for Tampa Bay, where everything's like, let's go, go, go. Um, Line A, there's going to be a lot of headaches for Torts there because it's kind of like Marion Gabrick in New York. When Gabrick was here, he was in his prime, and he scored 40 goals for the Rangers, and Torts ran him out of town. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're not fitting in, you're not playing, or he'll play you and limit your time. So it's going to be... That's going to be the deciding factor here for me for the winner of the trade in the short term is can line a, he doesn't need to win the Selkie. Like he just needs to fucking back check. Back and get check his man. Yeah. <laughs> like just show up on a back check. Like in Winnipeg, he basically hovers around a red line and blue line waiting for the outlet pass. Like just, just try. Like that's all Torch wants. Like if you try and you suck, He's not going to rip you because in his mind, like he said about Jesper Foss in a power play, he was asked one time, why don't you try him on a power play? He goes, well, he sucks on a power play. <laughs> that's why I don't put him on a power play. <laughs> I fucking love that, man. Uh, the brutal so honesty That's is... that. But for Winnipeg, one more thing for them, why I think that a long-term winner is cost certainty. Lane was is restricted free agent at the end of the year, arbitration eligible, and he's going to go for that. Austin Matthews money for $10, $11 million because of his goal production. Winnipeg was never going to pay it, and never. he was never going to sign long-term there. Now they get, it's not a super long-term deal, but they got a, a year and a half of a strong young number two center. His dad is a coach in Manitoba for the Winnipeg AHL team that's there. So that might be a better fit long-term for them, and he slides in very nicely behind Shifley. The last thing I have for like long-term winner is 
Do you think Lane stays long-term in Columbus? Because Panarin wanted out. Nash wanted out. Bobrovsky wanted out. Anderson basically wanted out. Uh, I feel like I'm forgetting one more guy that left. Duchesne does, left. Yeah. Does Lane want to stay? And if he doesn't want to stay, if he's just basically a rental through the end of this year, they can trade him. And it, this trade tree turns into winner and loser is Columbus traded Dubrovsky and a third for Roslovic and whatever they get for Lane. And they could get a good young top four defenseman or a young, young uh, centerman in return for him. And then that's the trade tree. And that's what you grade it off of. But Columbus is a good organization. Like, they turned it around from the Doug McLean days. It's a good little hockey city. Like, they're not a huge market. They're a medium-sized market. But why do these guys want to leave? It doesn't matter who's been there. Like, they, they just all want to go. And especially, like, uh, Borowski and Panarin, they were willing to pay one of them. Like, it wasn't a money situation. So if Lane leaves, then it's like... Are they viable? Is it always going to be like the Oakland A's in baseball where you get good young players through arbitration and then when it's time to pay them, will they have a choice in free agency they bolt? That's that's probably the most interesting part of it, like you said there, is why do these guys want out? And it wasn't always Torts. It wasn't always Yarmo. Is it the city? Like, do, do some of these guys want more pressure in a sense? Is that why guys are signing... Well, I mean, obviously Bobrovsky didn't. He went to Florida. But, like, <laughs> it's like, do they want better weather? I mean, I know Ohio in the winter can be a bitch, man. So it's like maybe it's the constant snow. Maybe it's like I, I honestly don't know. But, yeah, I mean, you, you figure you could go somewhere, be established long term. You're not going everywhere and be a noticed. Like, it, it's a nice way to live and still make very good money. I I don't know. Yeah, let me pull this up really quick. I, it was a funny line about the, t- the trade for the two guys. Uh, oh, yeah. So Dubrov for Lane will be the funniest outcome for two guys who wanted the hell out of Ohio and Manitoba and end up getting traded to Canadian Ohio and American Manitoba. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's good. Um, speaking of a guy who I don't know if he wants to get traded or now they won't trade him anymore, but... There was some pretty big backlash right at the beginning of the season with Keith Yandel where he's with the he's with the Panthers, and then the Panthers came out and they said that he is no longer in their long-term goals or team goals, whatever, and I don't believe that that is Joe Quenville. I think that's definitely more of the new GM coming in, Bill Zito, but they said Keith Yandel is not there. They wanted him to waive his no trade. It was not required for him to waive it just yet. They hadn't made the full actual uh, request for it. Keith Yandel comes back to them, says that he will most definitely waive it to go to Boston or Philly. And then after that, nothing had happened. He is in the Florida lineup. And then the first game that they play, he comes out and he scores two goals. So, as a guy who, I like Keith Yandel. I I think he's a good defenseman. I do not think that he is an elite defenseman. I I think he's a top-tier guy. If there was a chance of the Bruins adding him to our lineup where we're currently depleted a little bit on the back end, I would have no issue with that at all. Uh, It would definitely scare me a little bit. But if and only if... If he gets to the Flyers, I mean, the Flyers can definitely become a powerhouse. It's a little bit scary. I'm not going to lie about it at all. Yeah, so I'm I'm pulling up his contract now. Does he have a no-movement clause or a no-trade clause where he can dictate where he wants to go? I don't think it's a full. I think it's a partial, though. Okay, so he probably can give a list of teams or whatever. Uh, I mean, yeah, the Boston one makes sense. He's from the area. They have a huge need on the left side. Side. I don't think they need his type of game on the left side. <laughs> I think they need like a more defensive guy who can help McAvoy out or uh, help Grizzly out if they paired them two together. Going to Philly would be interesting because playing with uh, Poroff on the first pair most likely, like two similar type guys. I mean, uh, Ivan agrees a little bit bigger, but I just keep like I'll get into this when we do the Rangers week in review. But you. 
Truba played the, his best hockey in Winnipeg when he was partnered with Josh Morrissey, who's a solid two-way puck-moving defenseman. Like Truba isn't a classic guy where he either needs to play with a stay-at-home guy or an offensive defenseman. He works best when he can kind of rotate those assignments uh, throughout the game, throughout the matchups. And I look at a guy like Yandel, yeah, he's not a strong defensive player, but that puck-moving ability... I think would help alleviate a lot of issues of Truba being counted on to be more than what he is. Like Truba's a a really good defenseman, but he's not a guy like Hedman who's going to carry the puck through the neutral zone, get it in, go uh, red line to red line, and then get back on the back check. Like he's more of a physical guy with a big shot who can play 25 minutes a night. So I think if he was open to it, if the cap situation worked out, like I think Yandel will look good on a pair. With Truba, but if it's really down to Boston and Philly, you guys can't let Philly get them. No, just because within the division, I think that makes Philly even better than what they are in the sense of that could push them past Washington. Yeah, I just think it brings them to a different bracket and can make them go deep into the playoffs on a Stanley Cup run. So I already think Philly's past Washington and before the season. That's even before they would add a guy like Andel. See, I. I I was on the fence. I still have Washington just ahead of them, but Philly's been playing good. So it's like, I guess we'll see where it ends up falling. Speaking of Washington, really quickly, how about the four Russians being fucking idiots with the COVID restriction stuff? Yeah, so that uh, the Washington Capitals this week ended up getting fined $100,000. And then Alex Ovechkin, Ilya Samsonov, uh, who were the other Orloff in, and Kuznetsov. And Kuznetsov. That's what it is. The four Russians were caught. Uh, was It was at the hotel, I believe. They were at the team hotel, and they were caught walking around all together, not social still, social distancing, without their masks on, and they're now mandatory quarantined out, and the team also gets fined. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised that... Um, it's happened this early in the year. I figured teams would have the lockdown a little bit more. Uh, Peter Laviolette came out and said, I don't know about it. I was in my hotel room where I was supposed to be. I hated that response. I I, I just... Oh, I don't know what's going on. Like, I'm not responding. Like, you're the messenger. You're supposed to impress upon everybody the importance of doing this because... If they got sick, they could derail the entire team season. Or if they got sick and before they found out they were sick, they had one or two teams come in and then those guys got sick. You can derail the entire National Hockey League season because you guys wanted to chill in the hotel lobby. Yeah, I just I'm surprised that it was allowed just because of all the restrictions, the team getting fined and all that. I'm sure that puts the players on notice. I mean, I'm sure Ovechkin picked up the fine. Here you go, boss, like no big (laughs) deal. But I just think. For the part of, I, I feel bad for the guys. I do because it's not the same off ice experience that it used to be, where they can fly yeah. into a different city, they can go out for dinner, they can go and have a couple of laughs. Like they're basically in their room or they're at a ballroom in the hotel, and that's their only outside excursion. Like, well, that's what it's like to play home games in Winnipeg during the winter. <laughs> yeah, legit. Same effect, but it's like. <laughs> I, I yeah, do feel I, bad in the sense of it's not the same, and, and it's probably hard for them to adapt too when you're so used to doing yeah. a certain thing. But you gotta. I think it's the Carolina the right situation where they had games rescheduled and the facilities were shut down out of precaution. Dallas just played their first game last night of the season. Yeah, say Carolina's still out, so it's like these things are going to happen. Like you, saw, you see with the NBA, you saw with the NFL, like. There's going to be spread. It's a ma- it's a matter of are the protocols in place enough to keep it from spreading and basically derailing everything. And that I think is the hardest thing to dictate because uh, yet again this this is not a political podcast, but I'm just going to go off the sense of the president of the United States can mandate one thing, but then every governor of each state can implement it whichever way they want. Where. For example, here in Massachusetts, we have to wear masks if we're outside. I can go to New Hampshire, and I don't have to. Yeah. So from state to state, it's different where I think it needs to be regulated across the U.S. as one certain way. Okay, don't agree with me. I don't give a shit. I'm just saying 
and I'm hoping that the NHL across the board, whether it's state by state, at least has one protocol in place so they can at least follow that, even though they're dealing yeah. with different places. That's all. I think they do have like a league-wide protocol, which is why they can enforce it and fine it, um, because it is a private entity. So like as a private business, they can make their own rules, and the NHLPA signed off on it. So yeah, that's, that's why the players seem to go along with it. Yeah, but, uh, your boss is okay. Yeah. To... <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other thing we wanted to touch on before we can review uh, was the news about NBCSN, NBC Sports Network. So NBC Universal announced yesterday or the day before that by the end of this year, 2021, and this year meaning the calendar year, not the hockey year, uh, they are going to be removing NBCSN as a channel, which means the NHL. Uh, is being going to be moved to USA Network, and the timing of it is intriguing because the national TV deal is up, and the NHL is currently negotiating with NBC on if they want to keep uh, television rights in the US, if they want to expand it. The NHL might be looking to add a second national par- partner, like the NBA has with TNT and ESPN. This is good for the NHL because nobody watched NBCSN. Not everybody has MSESN, and being moved to USA Network, while still isn't like prime time cable network, it's you get I think it's six hundred and fifty thousand more households in the U.S. have it, and it's just a more well known network, and it's part of basically every cable package that you can get. The other thing for me is if you, this, this also means that they're gonna NHL games are gonna be put on the Peacock streaming app, which is fine, whatever. As long as it's not exclusive, because if I can't watch a Ranger game because I'm not a paying Peacock customer, I'm going to lose my shit. Um, But do you think the NHL at one should stay with NBC? Like, do you like how NBC has portrayed and grown a game if you think they have? And two, if they add a second partner or leave NBC entirely, who would you like to see them go to? As for NBC and how it's handled with them closing down, I think it's a missed opportunity for the NHL just because they had four games a week on NBCSN. So yeah. so they kind of, in essence, they almost had their own network. I just think that NBC as a whole with some of their other stuff has dropped the ball on NBCSN. Like the Dan Patrick show in the morning, like I fucking hate Dan Patrick. Like not, <laughs> not like I'm just not his kind of guy. I feel like they've tried to expand with a lot of things like the European soccer in the mornings. Like there's definitely a lot of, yeah, like there's a lot of stuff that they have on there. And I mean, I I like the English premier league. You're not hearing me complaining as for all the stuff now going to USA. Hopefully they can keep it all of it. Like I would love to see English premier league and then that. And, but now it's like you get a big, original six matchup on a Monday night. And now you're going to be on a different channel because you're going against Monday night raw. Mm. Like I, I just, maybe this is just temporary. Maybe they're going somewhere else. I just, I hope there's a long-term plan in place, which there isn't because obviously they're going to a TV deal and where are they finally going to end up like that? I don't know. So I'm just, I, I'm baffled. As to where they're going to go, I don't know. I'm with you, though. Like, if I just – I just had to get Verizon to get Nesson because YouTube TV booted it. Like, Yeah, same with MSG Network. Yeah, so, like, I had to go a certain route just to see Bruins games. So now it's, like, next year if it goes to a completely different thing. Say it's just ESPN+. Plus. So all you need is a Fire Stick or a different streaming device to be able to pull it up. And ESPN Plus is, what, 6 bucks a month, five ninety nine. You can get it for $15 a month with a bundle of Hulu, Disney Plus, and ESPN yeah, Plus, my friend. Uh, I know. I was going to say, I, I'm i not going <laughs> to lie. I have the ESPN Plus. Uh, auntie over there actually had uh, the Disney Plus, so she gave us the hookup. So we'll, we'll accept it. But, um, yeah, I just I don't know where this is going. And granted, if it's a streaming thing so a lot more people can see the game, that's great. But at the same time, it's like... I don't know if taking it off of a normal cable station will give you that. 
Like I'm just I I don't know. So My, it's like the biggest the biggest thing I'm looking for is I think NBC has done a good job. It gave credibility to the, to the league. I think especially after the lockout, I think NBC has been a pretty good partner for where the league was at the time. But we've been pushed from the Outdoor Life Network to Versus mm-hmm. to NBCSN to USA Network now. And then we have playoff games on CNBC. And it's just like, it's hard to grow the sport when if you're talking to a cat, if you went to a bar to watch a playoff game, the bar may not be able to play it because of the network it's on. That's like, very true. That's, let that sink in. So for me, I think right now, I, if I was Danny Shell, I'll go, I, I'm okay with signing another deal with NBC Universal only for NBC. And I don't want Sunday at 12 o'clock fucking games anymore where there's no pregame. And no, a five-minute intro with uh, Liam McHugh in a studio is not a pregame show. And then a Doc Emmerich signing off as the buzzer sounds going, thank you for watching. Up next, PGA Tour Golf is not a postgame show. I want prime time. I want on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever, NBC, Channel 4, NHL. That's the only thing I want from NBC moving forward. And then I want the weekly games and splitting the playoff rights with ESPN or Fox. And if they're going to ESPN, I want that fucking theme, and I want Gary Thorne and Bill Clement. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I love the old school way. Like, th- those voices are, especially our generation, they're fucking synonymous with hockey. Like, that that's what we yeah. grew up with. And Darren I, it, Pang. I love Panger, too. Panger's great. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm looking for. Like, the NBA, I know the NBA is on just a different scale than NHL in the U.S., but you can never compete if you don't compete. So I want, just like the NBA gets uh, semi-frequently, a prime-time dedicated broadcast with a pre- and post-game show of a marquee NHL matchup on an actual TV network with NBC. It doesn't sound like you're asking for too much, pal. Just one game. Give me three games a month. You pick the night. It doesn't even need to be Monday night. You pick the night, and it's like Blackhawks, Red Wings. You know, when the Red Wings actually have a team again. Uh, Toronto versus Montreal. Rangers versus the Bruins. Like, shit like that. People will watch. and Or people are strolling through the channels, and they'll be like, oh, okay, we'll watch this for a little bit. They're not going to do that on Channel 38 on the USA Network. Anyway, <laughs> I have feeling. I have strong feelings about this. Well, I, I think that's the biggest thing is like it, it's so uncertain as to where the NHL is going with this that they don't understand that it affects them. Like th- this affects the NHL completely as to whether they remain a top four sport or not. Yes, they need to stop acting like NBC is doing us a favor by broadcasting our shit. Yeah, and I mean, like, listen, we're not naive here. I understand that uh, on a Sunday against football, you're not going to get your ratings. I, I yeah. get that. But you have to think of different ways to be able to get your game exposed. Because with NBC right now, they don't even have, I mean, granted, COVID changed all this. But in a normal year, they don't have an NBC broadcast until after the Super Bowl. It's January 1st, the fucking the Winter Classic. And yep. then after that, it is nothing until the Sunday after the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's just like, oh, we'll use you guys when we need to fill airtime. Yeah, so I, I think on that end, they need to find their ways to get the NHL into as many hands as possible. But anywho. Agreed. Anywho. So now we get to the good stuff, the really good stuff. The Bruins and Rangers we can review. Uh, congratulations on your first even strength goal of the year the other night uh, against Philadelphia. Good work. It, it was tough. And we made it happen. but <laughs> I know. You guys are going for the golf score. Yeah. Um, I guess if you want, you can take it away uh, the first week in review for the Bruins and kind of where you guys stand and how much has losing Krug and Chara impacted you so far? So for the latter question there of Krug and Chara, how much it's affected us. So some of the kids that have stepped in here have not been that bad. I didn't know what to expect out of Zaboral. And from what I can see, he has an absolute cannon for a shot. 
and defensively, he's sound. I, I haven't seen anything too crazy out of him. I'm okay with him. Um, Jeremy Lozon, I've said this with him from the beginning. He is an absolute kind of like a riverboat gambler where you just never know what you're getting from him. And he's kind of been all over the place. Uh, as for our first week, I got the schedule up here. So we had our first game against the Devils on the 14th. And we came out that first period. We absolutely dominated. Part of the second we did. And then it was like, I don't know if New Jersey just showed up late or if we kind of just started falling a little bit. Because the latter part of that game was all New Jersey. We ended up winning in a shootout. We go to the game on Saturday against them, and we were shit. Like, we were shit the whole game. There, there's no other way to put it. Uh, Jersey ends up beating us in OT. We go to the Martin Luther King Day game against the Islanders, and to be honest, it was just tough hockey. Like, there was a couple of chances each way, but two teams with kind of defensive systems in place where it, it was hard to watch. We end up losing one to nothing. Like, it didn't really, uh, kind of nothing. The game Thursday against Philly was strange because we cannot be the team we were last year in the sense of not show up, not show up, not show up, and then say, oh, shit, we're playing a game, but we can just turn it on and win. <laughs> like, like, we're yeah. not that team that we were last year. And we played the first period. I thought we had a good first. Uh, shitty second. And then out of nowhere, we come out and bang, bang, we tie it up quick, two to two. They go ahead, we tie it up, we go ahead, and then they tie it up like 33 seconds later. And I'm like, fuck, like game's over. And we end up winning in the shootout. So as for perseverance, I, I think the younger guys kind of got it. Maybe they're finally starting to rally the troops a little bit. But as for missing things yes we're definitely missing things like it shouldn't take us three games to score an even strength goal uh is it good that our power play and pk are clicking yes like we'll take that that's good um a couple other like tidbits that i've seen trent frederick they had him mic'd up and they came out <laughs> with him the kid is an absolute beauty i think he's already like my next favorite player uh, he gave it to P.K. Subban, those two games that they played them in Jersey the whole time, where uh, he gets under P.K.'s skin good enough, where P.K. finally says, like, when I'm ready, I'm going to beat the fucking shit. Oh, he said, I'm going to beat the fucking shit out of you. Then he paused and said, when I'm ready. So Frederick burst out <laughs> laughing at him, and then he told him, uh, why don't you post another workout video, you fucking loser? <laughs> And then PK ends up slew footing him later in the thing. And he's like, I'm in your kitchen, seven, six. Woo. Like, I think <laughs> the kid's an absolute beauty. Um, yeah. Trent Frederick. That's a name we're not going to forget here in Boston. Uh, currently, we are up one nothing on Philly. And oh boy. we will uh, see where this game continues to go. Oh, I lied. Well, update. We are up two to one on Philly. Who the goal scores for you? Uh, please hold. I am just pulling that up right now. Come on, baby. Let's load. Come on, NHL. Don't give me that. So first period scoring, we had Patrice Bergeron, and it was a power play goal. Figured you'd like that. Uh, <laughs> and then in the second period, we had Kevin Hayes score on us, and then Craig Smith finally scoring in Boston. Even strength. Thank God. Um... <laughs> One thing, too, it's going to fucking kill me to say this. Nick Ritchie has arguably been our best offensive player. He has Dude. been finding spaces. He's on the power play, and he's being that guy in front of the net. He's banging in a couple of rebounds, and it kills me because I hate Nick Ritchie. I hate to, I hate his game. I'm like I, I think he's too big and he's too slow. And this year he's come out and he's been moving. He's been finishing his checks and definitely making people notice him. So it's like, fuck, like, I'm hoping he falls off just because it'll be like, like an internal win for me. But if he can actually like continue to play the way he is, I think he could actually be beneficial for us. So we'll see what happens down the stretch. 
if we're saying this at the end of February that Richie is still your best offensive player, you guys are in trouble. Yeah, uh, agreed. <laughs> agreed completely. Um, all right, so quick for the Rangers. Uh, opening night, we got our fucking asses handed to us by the Islanders for nothing. Nothing looked good in that game. Uh, I'll go into more detail. I'm just going to give an overview really quick. Uh, we came back two nights later, and then we won 5 nothing, but it, we didn't play as well as the score would indicate. Uh, that was the first career start for the Islanders' uh, big Russian goaltending prospect, and he did not look very good at all. Um, we lost to the Devils 4-3 to on Tuesday, and then we blew a 3-1 lead in the third period last night to the Penguins and lost in a shootout 4-3. to uh, so right back where we were last year, uh, not very good team defense. So going into a little bit more detail, Strom has been invisible, which has been a carryover with him and Panarin since the bubble. So I know they had a lot of great chemistry, and when it comes to veterans, I think you give them a little bit longer of a leash to figure it out. But at a certain point, Strom might not be our 2C for much longer, which is a problem. Um, but I want to give, and also there was a Mika Zibanejad injury scare against uh, New Jersey. It he lost his edge and went into the sideboards, and he had trouble getting to the bench. He was hunched over, and then when he was on a bench, he took his helmet off, and he looked like he was about to just hurl all over the bench. And I was like, for a guy with concussion history, like scary concussion history, um. That was really worrisome because I was like, if that's another concussion, like we're in La Fontaine and Lundros territory here, and he's our best player, even more than Panarin in my mind. Uh, but he was able to come back and play against Pittsburgh. He didn't play very well. He took a puck to the face, which is always great coming back from a potential head injury. I heard it wakes you up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but the, one more good thing is uh, K. Andre Miller, Philip Hedl, and Adam Fox have looked really strong to start the year uh miller is back on the first pair with chuba he's playing 18 20 minutes a night these last three or four games uh he last night against pittsburgh was his first big boy game like he was basically using his six foot five frame and just separating people from the puck with minimal effort and then taking the puck and skating it through the neutral zone carrying it into the offensive zone, and then setting it up like it's a power play. Like, that that was hockey porn for me. Uh, Heedle's looking good. He might deserve a little bump up to the second line if Strom continues to struggle. But you knew this, there was always going to be a but. I need to talk about the shitty things that have happened. One, Jack Johnson is averaging 21 minutes of fucking time on ice. Why? He is the literally worst defenseman statistically advanced statistics in the National Hockey League the last three years. And he's getting 21 minutes of time on ice. One of the goals just personified his issue against Pittsburgh last night where there's the pucks behind the net, moves over towards the sideboards. He has his man, Brian Rust. And Rust just beats him off the boards, has two steps on him, beats him to the front of the net, and deflects a shot from a point in to tie the game. And Jack Johnson is trying to stick check him like he's water skiing. Like he has no business playing. You have, I'd rather lose with Miller getting ice time than lose to Jack Johnson because he's a veteran. So keep Miller in the top six. You keep Lingren in the top six. And then you put Brennan Smith with Tony D'Angelo and then you're fucking done. I don't want to see Jack Johnson playing unless there's an injury. So that's one thing going on. The other thing is they had this whole big mini training camp about how Kako has looked so good and he has looked good. These last few games he has looked pretty good. But he was placed on the second line with Strom and Aaron to replace Jesper Foss and that lasted all of one period. And then he was moved to the third line and for a, a kid who, he's not a cocky style play. So he has very high highs and very low lows. And he had one bad period and the coach removed him from that line. How do you think that's going to impact his development and yes that's part on partly on Kako to grow the fuck up but he's not grown the fuck up yet and Quinn knows this so he, he removes him from the top hair and then to make matters worse they talked about all camp 
on how when Lafreniere proves that he needs to play in the top six, that means Kreider's probably going to have to move over to the right side because they are not moving Lafreniere to his off wing. Well, guess who moves to his off wing one period into his NHL career because Kako got demoted? Lafreniere. So it affects it's everything. Just like, <laughs> it affects every other line. It affects him. Then he was pushed up to the top line with uh, Kreider and Sabanajad on Friday against Pittsburgh. Buchnevich, who's been playing really well, moves down to Strom Panarin. So now all of these lines are getting jungle, jumbled up. And then you have uh, Julian Gauthier, uh, Gauthier, who, yes, he hasn't been producing well, but he's 23 years old. He's 6'5", 220, skates incredibly well, and has a really good shot. He's getting benched now for Kevin Rooney because Kevin Rooney plays the game the right way. And, yeah. We're still developing all these kids, but they can't develop if they're sitting on a fucking bench or playing four fly minutes because they have one bad period. And that's my thing with Quinn. It's like he was the loss against New Jersey, they, severely outcoached by Lindy Ruff. Like, there's just no David Quinn has no answer for anything ever. His only answer is, oh, okay, we had a bad period. Let me shuffle some lines around. Like, Lindy Ruff was playing a very old school New Jersey Devils game. Three men in a box. Uh, the neutral zone, turn the puck over, and then the few talented guys like Hughes who just ate us alive, and Miles Wood would come in on a transition game and then set it up. Dude, Miles Wood this year. Period. Miles Wood's going to fucking yeah, kill somebody this year. He's been a madman. <laughs> and him and Hughes together look real good. But And Hughes has gotten much bigger. Like He's going to have a monster year, I think, Jack Hughes. But uh, that happened in the first period, right? So you figure... Okay, so we're getting kind of shut down here. Here's the game they're playing. How can we counter that? Nope. We same exact style play, and we kept running into the wall in the neutral zone, second and third period. And the only answer that we got from Quinn was, let me demote Keandre uh, Miller from the first pair to the third pair, promote Jack Johnson, and then put Kako on a fourth line. Like, it's just baffling to me how these decisions are made because, yes, we're trying to win games. That's the most important thing. And yes, we're trying to develop guys, but he's, it's like he's actively not doing either of those things. Like he has, that's what I said last year. If the best players for the Rangers aren't playing better than the other team's best players, there's no strategy involved. There's no identity. It's just, well, here's our guys and hopefully they play well. That's basically the fucking strategy for like the last year and a half. And I kind of gave it a pass because we had no team defense last year. We had some young guys in the lineup. And this year, it's even worse this, where there's no countering. And now the young guys are getting benched or demoted because they have a bad period. But Jack Johnson's out there. Kevin Rooney's out there. I love Phil Giuseppe. He's a good four-flying guy. But he's getting second-line minutes now because he throws the body around, is what Quinn said. Like, this ain't 1997, dude. And, like, I finally have some other Ranger fans that I talked to kind of waking up to the fact of, man, maybe he's just, like, a good coach like a good college coach and an average nhl coach and he's not the guy we need moving forward like you have one opportunity here to make a coaching change when you have a premium guy like gerard gallant still out there before unless he has some unwritten agreement with like seattle you, like you need to make that move like quinney is not the answer here he did great his first year he changed the env environment and the atmosphere he brought a little bit more professionalism than the last year or two that av had here but it's just getting to the point where it's like painfully obvious when a guy, I mean, Lindy Ruff has 20 years of coaching experience. He ran circles around him. The Devils aren't as talented at us as us, and they beat us, and they made us look like we were, we were always playing chase the puck. And we shouldn't be doing that against a team like New Jersey. Like that's that was kind of like the thing that pushed me over the edge. It's like how are we playing like this against New Jersey? If we were in the playoffs against a team like Tampa, like they would blow us out of the barn even before we left the team bus. So that's my rant about how it's going. That That's good. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, like, you know I've been kind of on edge with Quinny for a while now, but it's just like, all right, enough of the you know, the bullshit teaching. Oh, well, Kako had a, he didn't back check too well. So to teach him, I'm going to have him sit on a bench, like, over it. And now, like, what you said with benching guys and putting them in lower spots, I agree with you in the sense of these are professionals, you might be able to get away with that in college because you know you have some guys there for four years. But in the pros, I mean, 
it's only going to take one or two guys before an agent says, get me the fuck out of here. Yeah. And then the Rangers aren't a destination anymore because people don't want to go there. Yeah, and you can also look at it as Mika is a free agent after next season. That's yeah, like, That changes your outlook big time. Yeah, because I like Heedle, but the most he's ever going to be is a second-line center, and the, and the jury's still out on that one. There's, Jack Eichel is not walking through that door. Like, if Zibanejad leaves, like, no team, no player is bigger than one team, unless you're Wayne Gretzky or some shit like that. But if Mika walks through that door, we're in some rough shape. And then if you're Panarin looking at, like, okay, great, I'm back in Columbus. Oh. Like, awesome. <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe he'll have line A with him next year. We'll see what happens. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's just a matter of, obviously, you're going to have, you know, bumps in the road with a young team like the Rangers. They're the youngest team in the league. Like, you're going to have rough stretches. And if it's because your top guys have off nights or your your young players are still learning and, you know, they're getting taught lessons by more veteran teams, I'm okay with that. But if you're losing or you're not playing well because of the position the coach is putting these guys in, that's when I start having a problem. I was going to say something like that can dictate your future, and you got a lot of future on that team. Yeah, and as a Jets fan, I know all about how coaching can fuck over really highly touted young players like Sam Darnold. <laughs> anyway, so are you ready, sir? For I'm the ready, pal. Season's first ever particular week for game. Well, game of the week and lock of the week. I mean, do do you want to go first? Just because I mean, th- this hasn't been your strong suit, pal, and I don't want to call I, you out over like you know the whole internet. But I'm just saying. Hey, I won the first year. I don't think I. We're gonna go back. I don't think that happened. I won the first year. You won last. So you won two things last year. You won the lock of the week bet and then a Detroit Ottawa bet. That's why you have two things owed to you. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Um. Yeah. I'll go first. Both of them are this upcoming Tuesday, January twenty sixth. My game of the week is I think the teams are going to finish one two in their division. Tampa Bay on the road against Carolina. We'll see if that game occurs. Uh, but if it does, that's my game of the week. And my lock of the week, the same night, uh, where, where did I lose it now, uh, is the Minnesota Wild at home over the Los Angeles Kings. All right. Th- that's a solid lock. All right. I think you're going to start <laughs> off on a good foot here. Um, my game of the week is tomorrow, 4 o'clock Eastern time. I have Toronto at Calgary. I just think that that North Division is uh, – Something to watch. It's been getting a little bit nasty up there. So in the sense of people uh, uh, going forward and just kind of locking shit down, I think that's going to be just a good game to watch in general. And then my lock of the week is on Wednesday night. I have the Chicago Blackhawks in Nashville, and I am taking the Predators. Oh, I thought you were going to go Hawks in that one. No, the no. goaltending looks real solid. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, very solid. I think uh, Colin Daly is going to come in and steal one from the Preds. So. Uh, who do you have for shout-outs, if you have any? So for shout-outs this week, I have to uh, give a shout-out to the big sexy guy from uh, Colorado Springs out there, Mr. Reed Streganono. And, um, you know, he was giving it to me the other day. He's like... You know, I listen to that fucking podcast every week, and I'm just waiting for you to shout me out at the end. And every week, it's like, my wife, my kids. <laughs> Boy, he's like, what the fuck am I going to go? And so, so here it is, reader. I got one for you. Miss you, buddy. Can't wait for you to come and visit. Well, is he fucking family? So chill out a little bit, dude. Well, he's, at, he's <laughs> at the top of the list now. He's going to get him every week. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to give a shout out uh, to Redera and the kids. <laughs> yeah, D- Daddy's home. Um, <laughs> uh, just a quick shout out uh, to my friend Brian out in Denver. Uh, we were in a Peace Corps together. He is planning a visit here to New York. I'm trying to time it to where it's a time where either you'll be here or I'll be up in Boston, so that you can meet him and the three of us can hang out. It's a good time. But he also let me know that he signed up for another ultra marathon. He's run he's run two of them in his life so far. Uh, so this is going to be his third one, and he's running it in Alaska in August. I gotta uh, be honest; it sounds I, dope that he's running it, but I don't think I'm gonna let, like. I don't listen. I am <laughs> fat and out of shape. I understand this, and I don't need some guy with like two percent body fat coming to blow my shit up, Benny. I gotta be honest with you. I'm got. Hey, listen, he. He's not like 
he's not jacked or anything. It's like weird. Like he could run twenty five miles, but like you wouldn't be able to tell by looking at him. Like he's not out of shape looking, but he's like just normal looking. So like, don't worry, we'll fit all. You you and I will fit right in standing next to him. All right, I'm just saying, guys. But you know, he, was, like... he was also a Navy SEAL, so. Jesus fucking <laughs> Christ. I mean, at least we'll be protected. But <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so quick shout out to him. And also right now, uh, if only she can understand human language. Shout out to Kobe. She's laying next to me right now, just going to fucking town on his uh, bacon toy that I gave her. Just just rip it up the treat. She's like, yeah. doing it for you, Pops. All good. <laughs> but yeah, that's it on my end. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for listening. We had our first week of... Uh, Real NHL action to talk about. We had a big blockbuster, which we predicted in before all this. We said shit was going to get crazy. And, um, yeah, hopefully we catch you guys next week. We will uh, figure out a day as to when to put this out. We were both kind of delayed this week in uh, previous engagements. But well, now, good that it was delayed. We got to line A trade. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we're the first ones on the line A trade. So we lucked out. So everybody listen to us first before you go to Chicklets and say, oh, well, you guys talk about the same things. Well, not when we come out with the episode first. So suck We always on come my out mob. first. And then the hard-hitting analysis that you get from uh, broken, broken Skull Wit of, you know, I think they're going to be a wagon this year, Tampa Bay. They're going to win it all. Yeah, great. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to we're gambling picks. Yeah, okay, we get it. <laughs> I don't need to say anymore. We'll catch you guys <laughs> next week. Bye-bye. Yes, I understand that every life must end uh-huh. As we sit alone, I know someday we must go uh-huh. Oh, I'm a lucky man to count on both hands The ones I love Some folks just have one, yeah they got none oh, oh. Stay with me oh. Let's just breathe